In part 2 of this message we discover the nature of God's redemptive work. We understand that in his redemptive work in us he not only restores us to our former state but elevates us to a realm far greater than the beginning. Stay tuned for more. Okay, let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 19 verse 14 as we get ready to make our declaration this morning. Psalm 19 verse 14 the psalmist said Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable or be pleasing in your sight O Lord my strength and my redeemer Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable be pleasing in your eyes So here's the thing I want to challenge us with. Our words and our thoughts must be pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Is that right? Our words and our thoughts. So I should not permit a thought in my mind which would not be pleasing in his eyes. So all kinds of thoughts come. But I should not permit a thought in my mind which would not be pleasing in his eyes or you could put it this way i should not permit a thought in my mind which would not be in line with his word because his word teaches me what is pleasing in his eyes or like what bill johnson says he says i shouldn't let a thought be in my mind which would not be in his right or more correctly says i should not let a thought be in my mind about me which he would not be thinking about me do you agree with that and i should not let a w- words come out of my mouth which would be displeasing to him my words should be pleasing to him should be in harmony with the word of god so i want to challenge us now this takes a little bit of spiritual discipline to do that to make sure that our words and our thoughts are pleasing to the eyes of the lord in every situation our words and our thoughts must be pleasing to him I'd speak what you think God would speak. God would speak life, God would speak blessing. So let's speak and think in harmony with his word, with what would be pleasing in his eyes. Amen. So we train ourselves to do that each time each Sunday we come as we make our declaration. So let's stand to our feet, hold your Bibles high up in the air and let's say this out loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing. to many people i receive his word i believe his word and i live by his word christ is my master and to him i am in absolute surrender in jesus name amen last sunday we began talking about the redemptive heart of god and we're going to continue today and we'll finish this up next sunday 
uh, just to quickly review what we said last Sunday. That God's heart is redemptive in nature. Which means that when God looks at situations in our life, things that are going on in our, in our world, in our situations, God always seeks, always desires to redeem it. What, is, what do we mean by the word redeem? When something goes wrong, when something deviates from its original plan, its original design, and it, needs, and it needs to be brought back, it needs to be restored, brought back to its original plan or original design, we call that redemption. To redeem means to bring back to its original state, to its original design, to its original purpose. So God always seeks to redeem things in our lives. Now, many of us may have so many things going wrong in life. You know, maybe uh, things in your personal life, maybe things professionally, maybe things with your job, your career, or your finances, or things in our lives, you know, our marriages, our homes, sometimes our children. Uh, so many different things could go wrong. It goes away from, uh, from the original design of it being wonderful and perfect and what God wanted it to be. It goes away from that. Things go wrong. What is God's heart? God's heart is always to redeem that. To bring it back to its original design. That's the heart of God. And we saw this uh, illustrated to us in scripture in many, many different places as we looked at it last Sunday in the Old Testament, looking at different scriptures where, where it tells us, you know, God's heart is to redeem things. It's to bring it back uh, to its original state. Even in the things that God instituted in the life of his people, in, the, in their community life, spoke to them of the fact that God wants to redeem it. You know, for example, the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, people, slaves have to be released. They had to be restored back to what they had. Land that was taken away by force had to be, or in debt, had to be given back. He wanted things to be restored. Go back to your original state. Go back to your original owners. Go back to your state of being free and li uh, in liberty. The kinsman redeemer, God was telling his people, you know, you, you need to look out for your family members. If your own family member is... is, is, is going into slavery or is going into debt, is going at a loss, step in to be their redeemer, to help bring them back to their original state. God was speaking that to his people. So we saw the heart of God, that God's heart is redemptive in nature. So the challenge we placed before us last Sunday is, God wants us to be like him. Which means that in every situation, we should also have redemptive eyes and redemptive hearts. Amen? If you agree with me, say amen. <laughs> in every situation, God wants you and me to have redemptive hearts and redemptive eyes. That means when things in your own life go wrong, your heart should not be, ah, oh, this is such a mess. It will never, you know, my life is gone. It's hopeless. No. Look at it with redemptive eyes, redemptive heart. That if things go wrong, God wants to bring it back. And I want to see it come back. Restored, rebuilt, revived, renewed. 
That's the way we've got to look at things in our own lives. And the same thing when we relate to other people. They could be people around us, our friends, our family members, uh, those who may uh, uh, approach us, whose lives may be Things in their lives may have gone wrong. Many things may have gone wrong. We should not add to their despair. We should not add to their hopelessness. Rather, we should bring hope. Be redemptive. As you look at their situations, as you look at what's going in their lives, you, you look at them with redemptive eyes and have the redemptive heart. I believe God can do something good in your life. God can change it. He is Redeemer. Amen? God wants us to be like Him. So what I want to do this morning, before we actually get into the, uh, into the message, is I just want us to make a, 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 a little declaration here. We're going to do Psalm 1, 103. Just go through the first six verses. You'll find them up on your screen. I just want us to say it out loud together. So you just look at the screen. Let's just say it out. Let's read it out together. Psalm 103, 1 to 6. Let's go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Amen. He redeems my life from destruction. He redeems your life from destruction. He brings it out. There may be things that may now be destroyed or being destroyed, just falling apart. But our God, the Lord our God is the one who redeems our life from destruction. He's our redeemer. Now, we're going to do something more. There are many things the Bible talks about God, uh, as God, as our, about God being our redeemer. And so we're just going to make some of those declarations. You'll cu- see it come up on your screen. We're just going to say it out together. Now, when you say, just say the text. Don't say, don't, we don't have to recite, recite the reference, okay? The reference is there just to let you know it's taken from the Bible. But we just go through the different declarations about who God is as our Redeemer. Let's say together. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer is the Lord, the King of Israel, the first and the last. My Redeemer is the God of the whole earth. My Redeemer has the whole world in His hands. My Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. My Redeemer is my Father, the Eternal One. My Redeemer is the Most High God and my Rock. My Redeemer displays his mercy and everlasting kindness towards me. My Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel and he will help me. My Redeemer is mighty. He will plead my case. My Redeemer teaches me to succeed and leads me in the path I should go. My Redeemer turns things around in my favor and causes the unexpected to happen. Amen? 
That's who our God is as our Redeemer. Now, you can get all these references. Just take it off our website and, uh, and look it up. This morning, as we develop our understanding of the redemptive heart of God, I want us to, I want to briefly talk to us about the nature of God's redemptive work. When God re- goes about His redemptive work in us, what are some things we need to keep in mind about how He works and what He works uh, in our lives? So the, the nature of God's redemptive work. And I just want to share four key thoughts concerning the nature of God's redemptive work. Now, the fact is, all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are already redeemed. Redemption is a reality. It's a completed work in Christ. So positionally, you and I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But, in real life, there are many things in our lives that are wrong, that are going off in wrong directions, or broken down, that are ruined, that need to be rebuilt, that need to be restored. Many things in our lives. And so that's what we're talking about. There is the positional truth of redemption, the fact that we are all redeemed in Christ. But then there is the practical playing out of God's redemptive work in all of our lives, in all of our, uh, in uh, different areas of our lives, situations in our lives, and lives of those around us. That's the redemptive work that we are referring to. I want to share four thoughts here concerning the nature of God's redemptive work. The first one is this, that God's redemptive work is motivated by a constant unyielding love that knows no limits. We made reference to this last Sunday. And I just want to reiterate and highlight this this morning. That God's work, redeeming, redemptive work in us, is really motivated by His love for us. Because God loves you, He will step into your life, into any area of your life, and He will redeem it for you. He does it, not because you have to bargain with Him for it. Not because you got to pay him some money for it. He does it because he loves you. Amen? So when you and I look to God and say, God, there are areas in my life that, that are really messed up. They're really broken. They're, that, that, that God, they've just gone off the wrong way. Maybe I am responsible for it. I made wrong choices. I made wrong decisions. And, and therefore, uh, things have fallen apart in my life. And now you're looking to God to see that redeemed. Listen, God will do it because of His love for you. He'll do it. Because of His constant unyielding love, He will step in. And redeem those things. The people of Israel, God's own people, were very stubborn and very rebellious. They kept going into the cyclic behavior of, 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 of rebellion against God over and over and over again. They keep going back to the same things. But each time they do something wrong, God steps in, says, I love you, I'll redeem you. I just want to look, us look at a few passages. We're not necessarily going to study it in detail, but just look at it. To show us and, and, and let us know that the reason God redeems us or God steps in to do His redemptive work for us is because of His love for us. Look at Jeremiah 30, 31 verses 1 to 4. At the same time says the Lord, 
I will be the God of all the families of Israel. And they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I went to give him rest. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tambourines and shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. Notice what God says in verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you. And then he promises them in verse 4. I will build you. You will be rebuilt. You will be restored. So the reason God reaches out to his people is because he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I will build you back up. I will rebuild you. I will restore you. Hosea, Hosea was prophesying in a time when Israel seemed to be doing okay materially. The land was prospering. People are doing okay. But they had forgotten about their God. They would wandered away. And Hosea brings this message to them, trying to call people back to the Lord. And this is what he says. Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. Notice what he says in verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a wine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. So God is calling for a restoration of the spiritual life of his people. Yeah, they're doing well. And, 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 and you know, they've become so dependent on the material things. On, a, on, on all the wealth they have. God is calling them back. And then he says, you know, I will heal your backsliding. I will love you freely. And I will restore all of the spiritual glory around you. I will revive you. I will be like the dew to you. I will restore this for you. And people will come back. They will return to you. So God's redemptive work is based on His love, His unconditional love. What does that mean for you and me? It means that when you and I desire to see something redeemed in our lives, you know, God's going to do it because He loves you. Have assurance or confidence in God's love for you. The greatest redemptive work that God ever did was what was done at the cross. And Romans 5 eight clearly teaches us that the reason Jesus died for us on the cross was because of his love for us. For God commends his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God displayed his love on the cross. So be assured of his love. Be confident in the love that God has for you. Be secure in that love. But it also tells us one, something more that when we co-labor with God to bring His redemptive work into other people's lives. We must also love them unconditionally. Amen? If I want to co-labor with God to bring His redemptive work in the lives of people, I must also love people the way He loves me or the way He loves them. 
Only then I can co-labor with God. So when there are people around me who are broken or hurting, and I want to see God's redemptive work take place in their lives, what must inspire me? That same love. Are you with me? Amen? That we love them freely. We love them with a constant love as we reach out and to see the redemptive work of God takes place. Now, as human beings, that's very difficult because, you know, we get hurt, we get upset, we get angry. I mean, we, you know, we have all these kind of emotions. Yes, as human beings, it's, it's difficult. But thank God the Holy Spirit empowers us to love with the love of God. You know the scriptures, Romans 5, 5, the love of God is poured into our hearts by His Spirit. So the Holy Spirit empowers you. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So you walk in that, saying, Lord, I want to love with your love as I seek to bring your redemptive work in the lives of people around me. That's very important. The second part, second thought here concerning the nature of God's redemptive work is this. God's redemptive work is supernatural, but it includes our co-laboring. It's supernatural because it is the work of God. God will redeem things for you. God will redeem uh, things that have gone out of control in your life, that have been broken down. God will do it, but He requires our response, our co-laboring. We've got to work with Him. For instance, a very basic response is repentance. Suppose I've been doing things wrong and, and I've broken things down in my own life. And now I realize, oh God, I've messed up this area of my life. I'm responsible for breaking it down. But Lord, I come to you to help redeem that area of my life. One thing very important, I must repent of my wrongdoing. I can't continue doing the same thing. And just because God loves me, expect that area to be redeemed. God requires my co-laboring with him. The goodness of God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Um, Repentance is meaning saying, God, I realize I'm wrong. I'm willing to change. Otherwise, I'm not going to see the working of that redemptive work or the redemptive work of God take place. Another important aspect of, co- of responding to God's redemptive work is faith. I must have faith in what He can do for me. Things may look so dis- uh, despairing, so dismal, so broken down, but I, st- I must still believe that God can take that and br- rebuild it. God can restore it. I must have faith in God that He can and He will do it and not give up. God requires that. The psalmist said in Psalm Uh, 27 verse 13, he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would would have given up. I mean, I would would have just become hopeless. But I chose to believe what? That I will see the goodness of the Lord. I chose to believe it. So choose to believe. Even if things are really hopeless in certain areas of your life, Choose to believe. God wants us to believe that He can step in and restore. Maybe there is huge financial debt and at this moment it looks like, God, this is huge. How am I going to get out of it? Listen, look at God. He's bigger than it. And He can figure it out. He can bring you out of it. He can redeem that area of your life for you. But you believe that you will see the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 40 
uh, puts it in different words. The psalmist found himself in a horrible pit. In Psalm 40 verses 1, through, 1 to 3. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the mighty clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and trust in the Lord. So what if you find yourself right now in a horrible pit? I don't know which area of your life, maybe finances. It looks like, man, this is the bottom of the bottom of that pit. I've reached rock bottom. Or it could be your professional life. It could be some area or other area. It could be a marriage. It could be, uh, you know, some family member who's dying. Or it could be uh, your sons, uh, children who've gone astray or whatever. Uh, something in your life you think like, God, this is bad. Then will you, like the psalmist, still look to the Lord? The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord. That means he had this expectation. He knew that God would come through. It was only a matter of time. I waited patiently for the Lord. God's coming through. I'm just going to wait. And what happened? God did come through. He brought him out of that horrible pit. He put him on a solid rock. He put a new song in his mouth. God did it. So in God's redemptive work, we must understand his work is supernatural. He will do it. But we must go labor. We must have faith. Be willing to repent. Do what God is telling you to do. Do it. Work with him. In seeing redemption come to come uh, in whatever area of your life. You know, unfortunately, not all of us are like that. Can you imagine this with me? God is taking his people out of Egypt into the promised lands. He's bringing them out of slavery and he's saying, I'm going to take you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Where you're going to be free. You're going to uh, take over cities that you haven't built. You're going to have vineyards you haven't planted. I mean, it's a really good land. I'm taking you there. So these estimated 3 million people begin their journey. They come out of Egypt. God is doing wonderful things. God is their redeemer. They are singing their song. This is in Exodus 15. They're singing the song of the Lord. They're so happy. And as they're making the journey, they just realize it's getting a little long. And suddenly God, God, what about the garlics and the onions and the cucumbers in Egypt? God, it's a little hot. We're getting thirsty. And they are looking back to Egypt when God is saying, I am your redeemer. I'm taking you out of your bondage in Egypt. And I'm taking you to a land where you'll be free. And they didn't want to go. And this entire generation of three million people died in the wilderness. Why? God was the redeemer, but they were not willing to let go of the past. So we got to co-labor with God. God is your redeemer. He wants to bring you out from where you are and take you in to your destiny, into what he has for you and me. We got to journey with God, co-labor with him. For some of us, it is just that emotional attachment to the past that's keeping us back. From the redemption, redeeming work that God wants to do in our lives that will take us into our land of destiny. God let go. God let go. Some of us, it's the regrets of the past. You messed up, you made mistakes and you're regretting it. But don't let your regrets rob you of your future. God, your redeemer, let go of it. Release it. Go with God. 
into the destiny he has for you. He needs you to walk with him, journey with him. Just do what he says. He'll get you through. The third aspect of God's redemptive work is this, and uh, you may not like it, so just hold your neighbor in case. They... <laughs> it's this, that God's redemptive work includes discipline. And in some cases, judgment when necessary. Pastor, I wish I didn't come to church this morning. You know? <laughs> it's a fact. That sometimes in order to redeem us, God also has to discipline us. Hopefully it will not reach the judgment stage. But <laughs> I want to think about us, most of us, uh, some of us who are parents here. You know, when you discipline your child, you're not doing it for their destruction. Your intent is good. You want, it, you want them to learn something so they can actually become better. That's your intent. And that's how God deals with us. That sometimes some of us, in order to just get us out of our mess, He's got to discipline us. He's got to correct us. Because it's our foolishness that has brought us there. It is our own foolishness that has worked in, in, in messing those things up. And so God has to discipline us. He's got to correct us. And so he lovingly corrects us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through people around us. He corrects us. But we must receive that correction. Don't resist that correction. Amen? Because God is trying to redeem. He's trying to restore. He's trying to rebuild. He's trying to release us from whatever is pulling us down. He's, he's, he's at work. But he has to bring correction in those areas of our lives. And so sometimes when you're reading the word of God, you find that what you're doing is wrong. Then you realize, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. That's why things are, going, are not going right. So I need to receive that correction so that God can, God's redemptive work can take place. But as long as I resist the discipline of God, the correction of God, I'm a hindrance to the work of God, my Redeemer. He's ready to redeem. He's ready, ready to re- be, uh, release his redemptive work, but I'm not receiving his correction, his discipline. Hebrews chapter 12 is a familiar passage for many of us. I'll just read that passage. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11. It says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, after it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God Chastens, corrects. Now the word is chasten is an old English word. It sounds harsh, but it simply means to lovingly correct. The word scourge has the image of bips and all that, but simply means God lovingly corrects. So don't, don't misunderstand it. God lovingly corrects, just as a parent would lovingly correct the child. 
He corrects us, but we must yield to his correction. So if you and I want to see God's redemptive work in some areas of our lives, you've got to be willing to be corrected, to receive his discipline. But the point is that even in, in God's disciplinary dealings, he does it with love. Isaiah 54 in verse 8, God says, With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. So he's reminding his people, look guys, I am your Redeemer, not your Destroyer. I am your Redeemer. But being your Redeemer, I withdrew for a moment, but actually I did it out of loving kindness and my mercy for you. I did it as your Redeemer. I did it out of love and kindness. The last point here about God's redemptive work is this. God's redemptive work not only restores us to our former state, but elevates us to a realm far greater than the beginning. See, when God steps in to redeem something in your life and mine, He not only restores us to what it was, but he always takes it better than what we ever experienced. Good place to say amen. <laughs> Unless you're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> he always takes it better than the beginning. And the Bible is full of those examples. Think about Joseph. You know, Joseph thought he had a great beginning. He was a favorite in his father's house. His father really pampered him. But it was nothing compared to what God did for him later on. Joseph went through some hard times in his life. But when God stepped in to redeem him out of his troubles and out of his situation. Overnight, Joseph found himself being the prime minister of an entire nation. And he hadn't even finished his MBA in international <laughs> law or you know, governance. Nothing. And here he was, just because of the gift and the grace of God, standing next to Pharaoh and running an entire nation. The way Joseph reacted to that situation is he named his two boys uh, as an expression of, of what he realized God was doing in his life. In Genesis 41, verse 51 and 52, verse 51, he named his first son Manasseh, which means God has made me forget all my toil and my father's house. I mean, all of that pain I went through, God's caused me to forget it. And then the next son, he named Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. The same place where I suffered, where I was mistreated, where I was put in prison. In that same place, I, God has blessed me. He's caused me to be fruitful. Look what God has done. Job is another great example. You know, many of us read the book of Job. It's like really long, 42 chapters or something like that. And we literally translate each chapter to a year. And so we think it was 42 years. But that's not it. Bible scholars tell us it was probably a few months, at most a year. That was it. Most Jewish scholars would tell that that entire story in the book of Job lasted about a year, not more than that. But then what happened after that? It's really interesting. If you read the last chapter of the book of Job, Job 42 verse 10, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. And how does God restore? 
Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God's redemptive, restorative work leaves us in an elevated place, much better than what we had ever before. And it continues, verse 12, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. That's pretty good. The way God restored things in his life. The way God blessed the latter end of Job. 140 years after that one year of suffering. The same thing with the prodigal son. You know, we talked about this last Sunday. When the prodigal son came back home, the father did something he had never done for both of his sons before. He got out the best robe. He put the ring on the finger. He killed the fatted calf. He made a great celebration. And you know, he'd never done this before. How do you know? Because of the remarks of the elder son. She says, how come? I've been at home all along and I've never seen this happen before. I've never seen this happen before. He never did it for me. Never. So when the wavered son came back to his father, the redemptive heart expressed was, I'm going to celebrate this. I'm going to do this, do something I've never done before that grand, I, I'm going to restore my son to, to, to not just being a son, I'm going to celebrate him because he's my son. And even the great plan of redemption, what God did for you and me in our redemption through Christ, what do we see? We had sinned and fallen away. Christ died for us on the cross. And because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says now we are seated with him in heavenly realms at the Father's right hand. And we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I don't think, as far as I know, Adam was given that. He was created in the image of God. But nobody as the scripture say he got the chance to sit at the Father's right hand in heavenly realms in Christ. God's taken us up into a realm far greater than what we began with in Christ. So when God does his redeeming work in your life and mine, he not only restores us to our former state, but he elevates us to something far greater than what we ever had or experienced in the beginning. So let's apply this message to our lives what is it that you want God to redeem in your life? What are the areas? If you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, God, it's this particular area of my life. Maybe it's several areas of, my life, of your life. You're saying, God, I want you to redeem. Would you step in? Would you help me? Things have gone bad. Number one, God's redemptive work is motivated by a constant love that knows no limits. Be secure in his love for you. God will do it in your life simply because he loves you. You don't have to pay him money, any money for this. He does it because he's love, he loves you. He's willing to step in. Second, God's redemptive work is supernatural. 
but includes a colibri. He needs you to cooperate with him. So, co-labor with God. To see his power redeem you, release you, restore you, rebuild you, revive you, renew you. Co-labor with God. With your finances, God will do it. But you also pray and say, God, what are some practical things I need to do in this area? I need to co-labor with you. I want to see redemption. I want to see this area of my life redeemed. But what are practical things I need to do? Maybe you're visiting Central too often. That's a practical thing, right? Just go there and swipe your card. And then like, God, why is there so much debt in my life? It's because you're swiping the card too often. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need to tell people some practical things, right? <laughs> Look, God's willing to redeem that, but you've got to co-labor. You've got to change. You can't keep on swiping and say, God, redeem my finances. <laughs> God will say, I have to deliver you from your credit card first. You know? <laughs> then I can deliver the rest of it. I'm just, just using this as, a, as an example. So like this, there could be other areas of your life. Maybe, you know, uh, your marriage is broken. And, 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 and perhaps the reason is because the way you're speaking to your spouse. And you say, God, redeem my marriage. And God says, zip your lip, man. <laughs> so that's where it needs to start. Just keep quiet. And I can do redeem your marriage. I can make it beautiful. But every time you open your mouth, venom comes out. And then you're praying, God, be my redeemer. And God says, sure, I'll do it. But you've got to change how you speak. So you've got to call labor. You can't just do the wrong thing and expect redemption to take place. You've got to call labor with God. God will say, I'll start my redemptive work first by changing your words. And sometimes... That one change can redeem your marriage. And so speaking cursing and hate, you start speaking life and your blessing to your spouse. It can change. The third aspect of God's redemptive work is God's redemptive work includes discipline. So if there are things you need to correct, do so. Yield to God's correction. Don't resist it. Maybe you're in sin. You need to repent. You can't continue in sin and then say, God, redeem. Stop sinning. Ask God to get you out. Then you'll see the redemptive work of God come through in that area of your life. But if you're continuing in sin, how is the redemptive work of God going to take place? It's not yielding to his discipline. Correction. God's ready to do it. But we must yield to his discipline. Lastly, you know, when God redeems us and does his work in us, he will not only restore us, but he'll take us far greater, far beyond what we've ever experienced before. God, that's what God wants to do. Take you far beyond what you've ever experienced. So expect greater glory. Expect it. As you let God step in to one or more areas of your life, say, God, I know you not only just restore but you'd go way beyond. You give greater glory, God. And I want to see it happen in these areas of my life. And God is faithful. He will do it. Amen? So we're going to pray. I would just like to call our worship team up, please. And you can remain seated for a few moments while we pray. And I want you to 
Just apply it. Just think about what you heard this morning and apply it to your life. Now, there could be many of us here who are saying, God, I need, I need your redemptive work in some area of my life. I want you to pray about it. It could be for yourself. It could be for your circumstances or situations. It could be for a family member. Pray. Be secure in God's love. and Be willing to co-labor with God. Be willing to be corrected. And expect greater glory. Expect it. Father, even as we look to you this morning, God. Father, we are just praying for your redemptive work to take place in our lives. There are areas of our lives that are broken. There are areas of our lives that are not where it's supposed to be. Some of it is because of mistakes we've made. Wrong choices. We ask you to redeem. We ask you to restore God. We ask you to rebuild what's been torn down, Lord. Because that's your heart. And you do it, Lord, because of your love. You do it because of your love. We just pray, Father, for your redemptive work to take place. Just thank you, God. Thank you. Father, even as we pray right now, we just thank you for the work of your Spirit coming into our lives, our circumstances, our situations to redeem, to restore. We thank you, God. We receive what we've heard this morning. We receive your word. We receive what you desire to teach us see things redeemed in our lives. Thank you, God. Let's just stand and worship God for a few moments, please. My God is mighty to 
Father, we just ask for your redeeming work, God, your redemptive work to be released, Father, in the lives of your people standing here, God. And Father, we pray for those whose, whose businesses need to be redeemed, God. Where businesses have gone down, businesses have, have just gone in, in, in a wrong direction, God, that you would step in, release your redemptive work over their, that area of their lives, over their businesses, Father God. Now, if you are running a business and, and you're just saying, God, I, I need to see your redemptive work. I'm in a situation where I, I need you to step in. I, I need you to redeem that. Pray. God loves you. God cares about that. And God will redeem that. You just call out to him. Say, God, step into my life here. And I'm just getting that word construction business. So if that's, that was something you were in and that's something you're in, in God just wants to assure you he will step in. And redeem that. Redeem that. Even your construction business. God will step in. God will redeem it. So I just want you to receive that word. Say, God, I'm here to receive that. I'm receiving your redemptive work. Even in my construction business. I will see it come back up. I will see it be lifted up once again. And you'll take me, Lord, into a place of greater glory. But teach me. Show me what you want me to do. Receive that word. And say, God, I'll, I'll receive it. I want to see it happen. Whatever area of your life, just, just say, God, I'm receiving your redemptive work. I want to see it happen, God, in my life. In my life, God. And Father, we pray for your redemptive work, even in relationships, in the area of relationships, God. Relationships at home, relationships with, with peers, with family members, in the workplace. We ask for your redemptive work. Sometimes, you know, it might seem just a small thing. It might seem just an insignificant thing. But God cares about even small things. 
even something as simple as a relationship with your co-worker. God cares about that. And you pray about it and say, God, I want to see this redeemed. I want to see a redemptive work because it could mean that person's future being changed when that relationship is restored. It could mean you sharing the gospel with that person. And so that relationship is important. Believe God to bring His release, His redemptive work even in that area. So Father, we receive that. Your redemptive work, even in relationships, even in what seems insignificant, that you will redeem it. Thank you for stepping in, God. Thank you for stepping in. We bless you, God. We bless you. Father, we just thank you that you confirm your word. That as we receive your word, Father, we pray for your redemptive work taking place in the lives of many people. And people will see this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. God's redeeming these areas of my life. God's doing it. And we'll see your redemptive work, Father. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to encourage you. Expect to see God's redemptive work. Amen. God watches over His Word to fulfill it and He'll do it in your life. Believe that. Expect to see it. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here this morning. See you again and have a great week. God bless. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.